0: i'm trevor and welcome to catching up on cinema if you aren't familiar with the program catching up on cinema is a film analysis podcast where we introduce each other to films expand our cinematic horizons and in essence catch up on our cinema so it is the month of july 2021 and by golly it is ladies
1: night hello ladies hello ladies
0: This month, uh, we're going to be taking a look at uh, action films that are headlined by women. Uh, So, last week, uh, we kicked things off with uh, what is often cited as one of the earliest examples of a uh, female headlined action film in the form of Foxy Brown, which, of course, was starring Pam Greer. And this week, we're uh, flying across the Pacific Ocean uh, to Hong Kong to take a look at uh, Corey Yuen's Yes, Madam from 1985, uh, headlined by both Michelle Yeoh and one Cynthia Rothrock, and I believe this was her cinematic debut. Um, but yeah, Kyle, uh, before we get started, uh, do you have any background with with our two starlets, with uh, Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock?
1: Yeah, I don't have any experience really with uh, either of these actresses, actresses. This is my first uh, go-around with Cynthia Rothrock. I've never seen anything of her. Uh, Michelle Yeoh I'm familiar with. I think I've seen a couple of things with her, but I think... This might be only like the second or third film I've seen with her.
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of surprised by the latter uh, because in recent years, Michelle Yeoh has just kind of been—I don't—I don't know if "shoehorned" is the, the right word, but like her her name and and just just her her brand value uh, carries a lot of weight, um, mostly because of like efforts like this very early in her filmography. Um, she's been putting in consistent work as largely a stunt player, but also a, a very talented actress on top of that, multilingual actress at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in recent years, she's been doing a lot of, like, American productions and stuff. Like, I think she's in that, that new uh, Star Trek show. Yeah. Um, and she just pops up in the damnedest of places these oh, yeah. days. Um, and she's one of those people that can elevate pretty much anything she's placed in. Um, And she's put in enough time that even if there's no action component to the role, like such as um, Crazy Rich Asians, uh, she she still has screen presence. She's still quite an accomplished actress. So um, she's kind of grown beyond uh, her reputation as strictly just, you know, a lady stunt performer. Uh, She's actually just kind of like straight up celebrity actor these days, but um, she still does stunt work. Uh, like I think the most recent thing I've seen her in was um, Master Z. It was the spin off to the Yip Man series. Hmm. Uh, she she actually does have a couple of action beats in there, and she could, by golly, she can still fucking move, man.
1: <laughs> I, I have actually seen quite a few films of hers, well, films that she's in. Tomorrow Never Dies. I didn't see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I've been meaning to. Uh, I did see Sunshine, and I did see that third Mummy movie. I didn't realize she was in it. <laughs> Uh, and then I did see uh, something more recent, oh she's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I did not know that yes, uh, yes, I did watch Last Christmas which she uh, is a character in that movie
0: oh whoa, What what's that one Kyle? Oh
1: buddy, that is uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's a Netflix or I think it's a Netflix Christmas movie um, with uh, oh god what's her name, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones and it's pretty bad um
0: oh wait wait is that the one with henry golding in it uh the henry golding the man with the the hardest working yes, agent in hollywood yes yes okay yes. uh that that kind of makes sense because the two of them work together on crazy rich Asians. Mm. uh so maybe it was like a package deal or something yeah it's no. Like it, maybe his his extraordinarily uh <laughs> a gifted agent was like okay I'm going to work out a
1: deal where Michelle Yeoh is going to be a package deal so if they want
0: her they gotta bring you gotta
1: <laughs> uh, Last Christmas is actually kind of fun it's it's one of those like bad Hallmark style uh, Christmas movies but actually like with a good production but the how that movie ends is just oh, like, it's like so <laughs> so stupid that it's kind of insane that that's what they thought of for the ending it's worth your time i i honestly think it's it's pretty stupid, but it's it's worth your time
0: <laughs> okay, duly noted um, but yeah Cynthia Rothrock is one of those uh one of those stunt performers, uh, largely a martial artist before an actress, but um that I myself don't have a whole lot of background with either. I know her largely by reputation um and I guess fortunately, most of my experience with her comes from her Hong Kong filmography, um, because if you just take a look at at her filmography, there's there's like a cutoff point where she came back to the states, um, and the types of the types of roles that were being offered to her were of seemingly like a lesser caliber, I guess. I mean, consistent work is is a very important thing to any actor. Like like that, there's no shame in working, but. Um, I want to say the the woman herself actually stated that that just the the relationship between directors and choreographers and her as a a female stunt performer was very different um, overseas as compared to here, where there was a lack of confidence in her ability here, where she wasn't tested, she wasn't pushed in the same way that she was over there, um, which obviously is going to yield lesser results, um, as evidenced by how incredible some of her work in this film is. Um, and a lot of her other Hong Kong pictures. Um, she collaborated with uh, Richard Norton a lot. Uh, he's this Australian fellow that he looks kind of like the, the Manimal, if you know who that is. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, the Manimal was a television show from the 80s that I think I think he was in Jaws 3 as like the great white hunter ki- kind of character. So like think Muldoon, but with sharks and yeah, Australian you instead of British. Can you? um yeah sure yeah <laughs> bob peck robert Mulder. great white hunter um but what was it uh, yeah she worked with richard or rather worked opposite richard norton quite a bit um and the two of them always put on a show that's actually a really a really interesting element of of like martial arts uh films in hong kong especially in this era in the in the 80s and even like the 70s uh there seems to be like a theme of uh inviting foreigners to work on the productions and then really pushing them to their limits because like oftentimes like there's like blatant fucking racism in in Hong Kong and Chinese films like towards foreigners and whatnot uh it it's it's just a thing like there's there's a lot of pointing the finger at like the foreign devils and stuff like that it it just comes with the territory and yet. A lot of times, the best work comes comes about when you have the pairings of people from different countries with Chinese actors and whatnot. I, <clears throat> I think it just has to do with like maybe the intensity level on the set or something. Because like famously, I think Jackie Chan and Benny Urquitas, uh they were kind of sniping at each other when the camera was off. I think Jackie was always like kind of poking him and being like, "You ready to go, Benny?" And he'd be like. Okay, Jackie, I'm a, I'm a pro- professional kickboxer. I've knocked out many a man. I can most certainly knock your ass out. Um, but the end result that, that made it to camera and made it through editing is incredible. It's, it's oftentimes some of the best work you'll see in Hong Kong cinema. I
1: thought you were going to say uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Uh, I thought you are going to use Rush Hour as an example.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it, Rush Hour is most certainly the, the best of Jackie Chan yeah, films. No, no, no. We we have a more yeah diversified refined, palette. Yeah. yeah, we have a much more refined palette on catching uh, uh, up on cinema. Sorry, <laughs> I
1: I, meant to, I didn't mean to correct you. Bob Peck is British. I believe the character of Muldoon was Kenyan. I thought you were talking about the character himself, not Bob Peck, the actor. <laughs> Bob Peck of Kenya. Kenya. <laughs> hey, it happens.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I can't remember what was the name of the alien in a, in a what was it, not District Thirteen, but District Nine. Oh, I don't know. Uh, he he had like a an, and he had like a John Smith name. Like in fact, literally, that may have been his name. Um, it was a nice touch. <laughs> it was like yeah, not every alien has to have a sophisticated gleep clop fucking name. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Kyle. Do you feel up to giving a plot summary for this one because I know this is a monumental task.
1: <laughs> this is a challenge this is a challenging film. Uh, so yes, madam, it's about a pair of inspectors in is this Hong Kong? are we uh
0: yeah, I believe this this was shot and takes place in Hong Kong.
1: Trying to take down a Chinese villain. Over some microfilm. Did I get it? Yeah, I mean you got
0: about <laughs> as good as I could. I could do it, Kyle. Uh, this this movie farts around a lot, um, yeah. but fortunately, when it kicks into high gear, it's the results are outstanding. Only problem is we have to fart around for you know ha- a half an hour at a time. <laughs> it's like
1: a good uh, a good sixty minutes of farting around till we get to an actual good fun fight scene
0: yeah uh one thing that i i think i mentioned this on our review of the killer um i i've oh, I we i've did that. dipped my toes into hong kong cinema quite quite a bit over the years uh, It's something i got really into like in around middle school um and i've just kept up with it ever since although it pains me so much uh, to see what's happening to the hong kong film industry these days it is disappearing man like it's it's not only neutered like like the the censorship is rampant and whatnot um just it it's dying. Like the number of interesting high profile releases seems to be just like shrinking. And it's it it pains me so badly, because this this was an industry that that yielded some of my favorite stuff over the years consistently. Um and it's just like where the fuck are these movies going? It's like, oh they're just Disney. Not being made.
1: Yeah, they're just being trumped by Disney.
0: <sighs> it, it's not even that, man. It's like it's it's the the fact that hong kong as a city has been swallowed up like so the industry itself is no longer what it once was um, but anyway that's not we're not that kind of podcast
1: <laughs> just felt felt the need Geopoli- to vent the frustration <laughs> Geop- geopolitical Geo- film pol- analysis geopolitical <laughs> impact on the hong kong film industry uh, that's a paper that you write uh. yeah no
0: i mean if you're interested dear listeners um look into it because it, it it's it's both fascinating and sad and frustrating but um anyway uh this this film is is of course a hong kong product and it has a lot of that hong kong magic um what i what i was talking about when i m- was mentioning the killer review is that um tone is often something that hong kong productions and just chinese p- productions in general seem to struggle with at least in the traditional. Western perspective sense, like uh, Kyle and I are both American, uh, so there's certain quirks to the the style of melodrama that come across as like, whoa, that escalated quickly. Um, but this is just a consistent thing <laughs> through a lot through a lot of Hong Kong cinema, where it's just like emotional whiplash. Every other scene, every other like halfway through a conversation, things just get crazy, and then a lot of the gags uh, seem to be like have a lot of like vaudeville influence. Um, a lot of like Charlie Chaplin or Three Stooges kind of shit. Um, that might be a quirk of the fact that uh, Corey Yuen was from the, the Peking Opera, much like Jackie Chan uh. and Samuel Hong and all those guys. In fact, like they had a nickname for, like it was I don't know if it was their graduating class, but they were called the Seven Little Fortunes. And uh, I believe three of them are featured in this film. Uh, Samuel Hong has a cameo, and uh, I, I think it's pronounced Choi Hark. It, it's spelled Tsui park uh he plays one of the the three uh dipshits like, uh, yeah dipshits one of the three dipshits <laughs> that's that's a good name we'll stick with that one of the three dipshits uh, he plays the forger um and he is he is a immensely talented director uh, in fact he's done some movies you might like kyle um once upon a time in china and uh many many others uh, he's he's a really talented director um yeah, not he's he is an actor but largely he's known as a director
1: I felt like the tone for this was... For me, it was pretty clear. I'm like, this is a fun movie. Like, I didn't get a sense of, like... It didn't seem... I, it, There was so much humor in it, or at least attempts at humor, that it felt like just kind of a like a light romp. It was just kind of fun. Um, I'm partial to, like, the, the tone of contemporary Korean films. Uh, it There seems to be, like, a dark... I find it to be kind of a dark humor, uh, but then it gets really fucking heavy. But this seemed like it was just, like... Kind of fun.
0: Yeah, another conversation for another day mm-hmm. is uh Korean cinema. I actually had a I actually had a little bit of a back and forth with someone on Twitter the other day that uh, it was it was concerning. Like I don't know, not the neutering, but just like I feel like Korean cinema has toned itself down quite a bit in recent years, and I want to say it might be like a, a national agenda uh, because. Like if you look at the production credits for any Korean film, there like there are so many like uh, mom and pop stores that are throwing five bo- five dollars ah. into the pot to finance the thing, and a lot of them I think have the blessing of the South Korean government as well, um, and because of the success of things like K-pop and like before that, Sigh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, more importantly though, like Parasite. Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're on the, the grandest of stages, like every, the whole world's watching now. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, hey, uh, all you like brutal gangster film directors, can we like tone it down a bit? Like being as we're gonna have a whole bunch of people from all different walks of life, from different cultures in different parts of the world watching this thing now, not just our people that understand our culture. Um, because only a few years ago, I wanna say the, the like the violence and the, the number of profanity used and just the just the subject matter was much more grim than I've seen in recent years. I feel like it's been
1: toned down since since Parasite and stuff. Uh Memories of Murder just got a criterion release, by the way. So if you Yeah, if the bar if you I think the Barnes Noble sale is going on for a little while, so if you get a chance you should you should pick that one up.
0: I just might. Uh that one's long been on my watch list, but um, yeah, uh, let's let's get into the film, then. Uh, we've been oh, farting man. around much like the, the rhythm of the film, and yeah. I think it's funny that uh, Kyle pointed out that he thinks of this as a fun movie. Its final shot would
1: speak otherwise, but... Um, yeah, the, the final shot is completely <laughs> out of place.
0: <laughs> like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing, guys? But uh, our opening scene, though, does speak to what Kyle was talking about. Um. It's kind of... It's a bizarre little gag where... Uh, we're introduced to Michelle Yeoh just, like, hanging out at a newsstand or a bookstore or something. And, my God, this haircut. <laughs> <laughs> the haircuts
1: in this movie. I hair think cuts. she was going by Michelle Kahn at this point.
0: I'm not certain if that was a Hong Kong thing or if that was an international thing. Mm. Um, but, yes, I did notice that, that she is listed as Michelle Kahn in the, in the opening credits here. And not only that, we get a, a strange opening title that says, mm-hmm. In the Line of Duty 2... Uh, like super cops or something. There's like three um, titles, which is yeah. I that's part of why I, like I made sure to like spell it out to you what, what title we were looking <laughs> for in like in trying to view this film because I was like, oh my god, Kyle's gonna find some sleazy Asian porn or something that's also hey, called yeah. Yes, Madam. <laughs> <laughs> but um, thankfully, it sounds like we found the same film. But um, what's strange about that title though is that, as far as I understand, um, this this is not accurate by any standard because uh, the the In the Line of Duty series uh, originated as this film like this is supposed to be the first of that series not the second um, so this is probably a case much like a, like one of those Italian zombie movies where they just kind of like rejiggered the title for international distribution or something uh, but this series uh, was conceived largely as a uh, it actually has a, a name the subgenre Girls with Guns um this was a thing largely in asian cinema in the 80s and through the 90s and and in fact they tried to bring it back briefly uh i think it was called like uh special i'm gonna look it up special female force it came out in like 2016 it was supposed to be like a resurrection of this and i think it did badly um the world was not ready for more of this (laughs) but um but yeah the series is uh pretty solid all around uh they they reshuffle the cast every single time they made a new sequel um this one of course has Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock and then uh, I think Michelle Yeoh came back for the second one uh third one they completely reshuffled it entirely and then the fourth one uh they brought Donnie Yen on board and a couple of his buddies from his American days uh and that one's I can vouch for that one I haven't seen two through three but four is Despite being a fourth in a series, it's actually much like the Fast and Furious films.
1: Sometimes it takes
0: five movies to get it
1: right. Well, <laughs> with martial arts films, I don't think it matters as much. I mean, the story kind of takes a back seat. You just want good fight scenes. You can do that four or five times.
0: Yeah, no, case in point Bloodsport 2 and 3 are actually quite good. Uh,
1: four is softcore porn. With occasional fist fights. Uh, it's not like it's not worth your time. <laughs> it's not like no country for old men three. It's like, oh gosh, geez, we're still doing this? My goodness.
0: Actually that would be a fun pet project. Like just make just make sequels to things that absolutely do not warrant them and not, just see where you where you end up taking the story.
1: <laughs> well, I think you could do it for There Will Be Blood. It's just like a fight it's like a, a five minute five or six minute short film where it's just Daniel Day Lewis breathing heavily and having a heart attack because that was about, yeah. that was about to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. That short film sequel, <laughs> cardiac arrest, <Yeah. laughs> uh, or sequel to jaws where. uh, the whole town goes under because the 4th of July
1: weekend fuck, like was fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, Amity's closing its doors. Way to go, chief. <laughs> we, went, we were going to the beach on July 4th weekend. And of course, it was it was crowded. But uh, I, Steph said something about like, I wonder if that'll be open. I'm like, Steph, this is 4th of July weekend. This is a beach town. This hooplation has to go off without a hitch. <laughs> Everything's going to be open. Uh, you
0: needed a you needed a suit coat with a uh, with anchors on it, or <laughs> <laughs> and you needed to like r- run up to random people on the beach and say, "Get in the water." <laughs> like, <laughs> the people aren't swimming. You and your <laughs> wife go out there, and get in the water. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: that is some bad hat, Harry. Yeah. Um, man, I actually didn't have time to watch Jaws July Fourth weekend. That Ugh. makes me sad. Uh, that's oh. that was like the one thing i wanted to do that day and it just didn't happen
1: i watched it the week i got back over here to the coast i'm like it's it's beach season we gotta watch jaws
0: oh man i'm jealous but um yeah our opening scene is michelle yo or michelle con whichever you want to call her. i'm gonna call her michelle yo Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. uh yeah uh She is in a bookstore and a gentleman comes in and attempts to flash her. And uh, we have this this sight gag where she like turns her head away so as to not see his junk. um, And she slaps a book. She sandwiches his junk with with a book and tells him he is under arrest and proceeds to read him, I guess, the Hong Kong equivalent of his Miranda rights.
1: Yeah. it's <laughs>
0: like, that is one hell of a way to get arrested.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but this scene doesn't really make a lot of sense because, okay, is she, is she like, uh, fucking staking out the bank, like Bodie, Bodie and the ex-presidents are about to rob a bank or an armored car? Because she's just, like, in a bookstore, and then there's a robbery outside.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I want to say that because she, her outfit looks like she's she's dressed, like, she's dressed down a bit, like, like she yeah. has, like, glasses, and her hair's done different, like, I want to suggest that this is supposed to be a disguise or something, but she, she's clearly a super cop, of yeah. which there seem to be an absurd number of in Hong Kong, like, like, the yes. super cops are a dime a dozen in Hong Kong, but, um, why would you have her on, on the flasher case? (laughs) But I guess, you know, you know, if you're going fishing, you need the right kind of bait and Michelle, Yeoh, I guess is this guy's kind of bait. I mean, yeah. Uh... Uh, Yeah. But, um, but yeah, she, she does arrest him. Some other guy slaps the cuffs on him because the way the shot is framed, she's just like, she just cannot look at this man. It's actually pretty funny. But um, as they're escorting him outside though, we get our first uh, emotional whiplash of our Hong Kong production. Uh, in the form of just a wild fucking armored car robbery, essentially. (laughs) Like, they're just putting this, this, like, flasher perp
1: into a a car, and then just all hell breaks loose out of nowhere, completely unrelated. (laughs) It's a 120-second scene that has 6,000 frames. It is the fastest, like, it's fractions of seconds on each shot. It happens so quickly. We cover a lot of ground. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Kyle was keen to point this out that um, the the editing of this film and and of just like Hong Kong action uh, of this era in general uh, was was a lot for him at times. Like like it was just like whoa whoa cut 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 cut. Like my eyes don't know where they're supposed to be trained.
1: <laughs> it's Im- it's impressive when you think about how we're putting this together. Like all these rapid shots of like like actually getting these these separate shots, putting it all together. But the finished product was just kind of conf- Not confusing, it was just a lot to try to take in.
0: Yeah, I I get where you're coming from. I think I just have more muscle memory in my eyeballs uh, mm. when it comes to tracking the action of these sort of things. Um, I didn't find it as choppy as I've seen in other films um, because it's one of those things, it's like, I, I can sniff it out where it's just like... <laughs> Oh, this is badly put together. Like, I something like something is not sitting well with me when I am watching the edit of this. Like, this is this is a shit show. Mm. Um, sometimes you see that with like the the most famous example, of course, is Liam Neeson hopping a fence um, from Taken Three, uh, which I would not imagine you've seen that movie, Kyle. Yeah. But have you seen that clip?
1: I haven't seen any of. The, I don't think I've seen any of those movies. Wait, uh, when does when does Boris the Blade pop up? I've seen the second or third one. The guy who plays Boris, I believe the Blade. he's. I believe he's in the second one. Okay, then I've, I've seen that one.
0: Okay, uh, that one's that one at least has the exoticism of taking place in Turkey. In uh, Turkey, exotis- uh, which, you know, at least looks interesting. Um, and they, they use the locales to the best of their advantage. It has like one or two decent action beats, but the rest of it is just kind of like whatever. Third one is just straight up awful. But um, for educational purposes, you should actually see what I'm talking about. Because uh, it is like fifteen cuts just to show you know a, a middle-aged man vault over a fence. <laughs> and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, it it is it is bizarre and needless. But um, fortunately, we don't really get that here. We get rapid cuts, but for me, tracking the action was never a problem. But um, yeah, basically, Michelle Yeoh wasn't even prepared for this just some car just slams into another car and guns start going off cops start dying and she starts hood jumping and blasting people that i don't know what sort of hand cannon she's got but every time someone gets shot with this thing they go flying 10 feet back and through windshields and stuff it's pretty fucking spectacular and it seems to be like a, a core element of core yuen's uh choreography like he, he really likes to use people's bodies as projectiles. Like he just loves flinging people all over the fucking place. Um, but on top of that, he he does some stuff that I personally really like. Um, sometimes like the I don't know the the action comedy shtick of like a, a Jackie Chan uh, gets a little tiresome for me. Sometimes I just like some straight up fucking fighting. Um, and Corey Yuen tends to cater to that more often. Samuel Hung I think is like probably the master of that. Like he he really pushes people really hard to do a lot of like hands hand work a lot of hand sparring and stuff and uh, a lot of adherence to like uh, traditional martial arts principles and forms and whatnot. But uh, Corey U.N. really seems to be a good mix of the two of them. I, I really like him. But yeah, this opening sequence is fucking fast and brutal. I love when she shoots the dude through the windshield he like pukes blood all over the place. It's just like What the one. fuck is going on? It, it's fucking crazy. Uh it's it's ba- it's bananas even. Um but like in in fitting with the tone that we're working with here, I think the very next scene is everybody like holding up flowers and congratulating Michelle Yo at the yeah. office. <laughs> and just it it's just like, oh okay, we went from like
1: everybody's getting shot in the fucking
0: face to like oh yay the boss is back home
1: <laughs> but there was like bad boys level property damage here and uh yeah it was they it was,
0: flip they flip that armored car man
1: yeah they do <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so she's getting flowers um, and then so there was something about scotland yard uh i don't really know what was said but the what's mr wong is he the uh is that her boss
0: I believe so. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really too keen on looking at names other than our three dipshits, um, oh, I who just are all named after drugs. Yeah. Apparently, like aspirin and strepsol and oh. panadol. I think they
1: skinny dipshit, short dipshit, glasses dipshit.
0: I mean, the one even has like Larry's haircut from mm-hmm. uh, the Three Stooges. Yeah, that's classic. Like, th- I think that's intentional because that style of comedy was very prevalent at this point in time in Hong Kong. Mm. Like. Uh, Jackie Chan and uh, his his boys, uh, Yun-Biao and uh, Sammo Hung, uh, they, they did a series of movies called the, the Lucky Stars that were like half Jackie Chan and his guys and like half like this comedy troupe that mostly specialized in this sort of like, I don't know, Abbott and Costello like talking in circles horse shit and like uh, Three Stooges slapstick kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, this was very common. It's not exactly my favorite thing. Sometimes I find it intrusive. Uh, especially especially in this movie to be honest um but yeah basically I think she's trying to apply for vacation but it's not quite working out um but I think the reason she mentioned Scotland Yard is just um I think she was going on vacation in Scotland just Michelle Yeoh um but it's like a put put a pin in that like a very loose pin in that because we do call back to that like 20 minutes later um but I believe our next sequence is at the hotel. am I correct? Yeah. yeah, and this is set up as uh, kind of like a suspenseful scene where we're we're cutting back and forth between multiple parties where there's there's a a white guy uh, that appears to be important because he's like got like the guest suite or something at the hotel. Um, and then there's a m- there's a fellow who's wearing sunglasses indoors, which immediately, is That's a, a red bad flag. thing. Yeah, it's always yeah. Red that flag. is the reddest of red flags. Uh, this gentleman's played by Dick Way, uh, who is a prolific like villain character actor in Hong Kong cinema. Uh, he he is real fucking good uh, when it comes to the martial arts stuff. Uh, there's a reason why uh, he was selected to be the villain in some really prominent films of this era, like uh, Project A. I think he he gets to go toe to toe to toe. With like Jackie Chan and the Three Musketeers, and there's a reason they picked him is because he can he can keep up with all three of them. Poor period um, He also has a r- really fantastic throwdown with Jackie Chan in a not so great movie called uh, I, I forget which one it is, but it's it's the one where uh, Jackie Chan's... Jackie Chan has a like developmentally disabled brother in the form oh, of Jesus. Samuel Hung. Yeah, it it's it's a. Really uncomfortable movie in that sense, um, but they decide to just go for broke for the final action scene, and Jackie Chan and Dick Way just have this this amazing throwdown at the end. But uh, our third party, though, Kyle, uh, it's our our uh, three dipshits, correct? Or at least two of the three dipshits, right? Yeah, short dipshit. <laughs> so we have short dipshit and we have Larry dipshit, the one with the bad hair. Um, and I think they are kind of like dressing themselves up as room service clerks or something, and they're breaking into hotel rooms and just stealing shit. Um, and meanwhile, we have these two other moving parts in the form of our, our white guy uh, in the big suite uh, being paid a visit by Dick Way and his indoor sunglasses. And by the way, I, I really love uh, some of Dick Way's outfits in this. He, at one point, he is straight up doing the, the Don Johnson Miami Vice getup. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fantastic. It's like, man, I wish that was socially acceptable today. Cause I would totally rock that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It has to be a white,
1: it has to be a white suit too.
0: Oh yeah. No, that's, that's what he's doing. I think it was a white suit and a red shirt. I was like, damn <laughs> pointy shoulders and all <laughs> <You've> <laughs> open got, too, like with
1: got, the sleeves rolled up. And you've got that perfect George Michael, uh, stubble. No one else can do it <laughs> like him. He had the best stubble.
0: Yeah. I, I won't fight you on that, man. Um, but yeah, uh, Dick Way sits down and basically we we learn what Kyle had uh, told us during his uh, plot summary here. Um, and apologies if we don't get all the details right because this is this is a MacGuffin film um, where the MacGuffin changes ha- changes hands constantly. Um, it's nebulous at best, like what the actual importance or nature of the MacGuffin is. Point is, everybody wants this thing, and they don't know where it is or they know who has it and they can't get to them it's it's that kind of movie
1: i think the the point of the movie is rich people never get theirs so you have to take justice into your own hands because that's what the end of the film is basically
0: uh, yeah actually that that could that could very easily be our our moral uh for this particular <laughs> story uh which is why movies like this aren't made in china anymore <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> like like straight up this, this is why these sort of plots don't get put in films anymore.
1: Rich people aren't uh, the enemy. Your poor work ethic is the enemy. But yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> or, you know, just don't challenge authority in general. Yeah. Like let the cops handle it. <laughs> um but uh yeah, this the conclusion of this meeting, obviously it goes tits up, like this doesn't work out for anybody, um, is fantastic. It this this is this is where you can see things like um tarantino having grown up watching these films uh because he he is a fan of hong kong cinema he has cited a better tomorrow john wu's a better tomorrow the uh the chow yun fat uh, thumbs up gif gotcha yeah Uh, he cited that film and i think the second one in particular as an inspiration for a lot of his films in fact i think a better tomorrow 2 in particular may have inspired parts of reservoir dogs um, at the very least the attire for all the characters, just the, everybody in black suits and stuff. Um, but Hong Kong cinema in general was really important to him and continues to be. And he's, he probably has the same frustrations that I do. But what I'm talking about here is uh, Dick Wei gets tired of this fucking conversation. He pro- he probably wasn't paying attention. There's probably like a fly buzzing around the room and he's like, I- I'm sorry, I lost focus. You got to die. <laughs> like, like, um, he pulls out a silenced pistol And then the fella's like, oh, dude, like, he can't shoot me. Like, I'll scream and, like, everybody will hear me die. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, double fuck you because I'm going to double silence my gun by stabbing the barrel into an apple, jamming the apple into your mouth, and pulling the (laughs) trigger. It's it's right up there with uh, the on deadly ground uh, Steven Seagal uh, two liter bottle uh, improvised pistol silencer
1: deal. Yeah uh Mr. French did that in the departed I never understood like how is that a silencer
0: uh I mean I don't think there's a true silencer that exists but you know you get that one shot that's a little muffled yeah. <laughs> and then you leave quickly <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty sure that's all oh yeah and it helps if you have someone throwing firecrackers out i was around. gonna say that, that that's <laughs> how you do it yeah that's how you do it dick way did not have a kid throwing fire frac- firecrackers around nor well, did he have sister christian playing in the background what
1: was that movie where uh, clive owen stabs the dude with the carrot Oh, uh shoot 'em up. Shoot 'em up. Yeah, cuz I turned it off as soon as that happened. I'm like, okay, this isn't for me.
0: I actually saw that in the theater. I oh. I remember almost nothing about it, but yeah, I remember kind of like going, Hmm if I would during that.
1: If I would have saw if I've seen that in the theater, I probably would have walked out to a different movie. I'm like, all right, what's playing next cuz I'm not finishing this.
0: <laughs> you know, I've never actually walked out of a movie, Kyle. Um I have. it's it's something I'd like to do someday. I just don't have it in me. I actually had An occasion to do it and i I, i'm kicking myself that i didn't because um my my friend circle uh post high school we were always very indecisive about what movies we were going to be watching uh and it came down to wanted and wally and i think we went with wanted yeah we went with wanted and to this day i've never seen wally and wally is often cited as one of the better pixar films yeah you should have gone and with it's Wally. like man want nobody even remembers wanted <laughs>
1: we i walked out we used to go to the two dollar matinees uh we'd skip school sometimes and just smoke pot and go watch a two dollar movie and uh the texas chainsaw massacre the beginning was playing and we got super stoned and went in and started watching it and it was way more brutal than we wanted like it was just not sitting well we're like you want to go I'm like yeah i'm not feeling this so i think it's that's definitely one that i've walked out on
0: worst movie you've seen in a the theater kyle uh, I'll, I'll give you time to think. Bice- okay, say no more. <laughs> Bicentennial Man. Okay, mine was uh, The uh, the Spirit, uh, directed by Frank Miller. I was going to
1: say, is that one of those Frank Miller movies?
0: It's it's Frank Miller without Robert Rodriguez. Yeesh. Yeah. That's bad. Uh, it, it, to this day, is the, the worst filmmaking, like the worst cinematic experience I have ever had. Was it Boobs, Racist, and Homophobic? All in the same shot. <laughs> 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 and deeply unfunny. There, gotcha. There's, there's a, a very loud sight gag in the movie that happens, and the entire theater was just dead, like nothing. Dump. Yeah. And, and we were sitting down, and my, my one friend was looking at my friend, who he oftentimes would be the one to put his foot down and say, "We're watching this." Uh, she just like turned him to him and just shot him the death stare mm. and she was, she was pissed. Like, she was like, I spent how much money on this shit?
1: See, we went to Flubber in the theater, which I had fun with as a kid. I mean, I knew at the time it was stupid, but it was fun. But my mom took us to see Bicentennial, man. We got back to the car, and she's like, I am so sorry. I thought that was going to be a better movie. (laughs) She apologized to us.
0: Yeah, see I didn't know that detail I, I know you had seen Bicentennial M- Man with your mom and it was not good oh. I, I've seen Bicentennial Man it's not, other, than, uh, other than Robin Williams telling Oliver Platt that he has a big head I like, I like that gag because somebody <laughs> needed to say that somebody needed to tell the truth to that man but um, yeah in case you're, you haven't been listening to the show very long folks at home uh, I had the exact same thing happen to me with Godzilla 1998 oh I did not uh, it, was, it was my <laughs> birthday Godzilla was the most important figure in my life in 1998. I'm sorry I didn't have the best hero figures in my life. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, my mom walked me out of the theater and said, I am sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, this this gentleman uh, eats an apple and a bullet at the same time. It is pretty fucking tasty. And uh, Dick Way uh, starts rummaging around, uh, and he... Is, he's looking for this microfilm thing and as far as I know he doesn't really find it <laughs> he has to hustle like he has to get the lead out because uh, two of our dipshits uh, the little guy and the guy with the bad hair uh, they're both heading towards the hotel room as he's searching for this thing and uh, he like hides behind a curtain and uh, it's funny because they don't even really notice that the, the guy's dead in the hotel they just think he's sleeping with his head down on the table it's yeah. like man that guy must have been throwing them back. Um, but yeah, the, the little guy starts stealing stuff, and it's my understanding that he takes uh, some, imp- he takes like a important envelope and like maybe a passport uh, from the dead fella, and uh, he gets out the door just in time for Michelle Yeoh to show up, uh, once again dressed up, I believe, for like undercover purposes or something, um, and she was apparently supposed to have a meeting uh, or a dinner uh, with this guy. And uh, no, uh, he is dead, and she's not completely stupid, so she realizes this pretty quickly. Um, And yeah, uh, she gives chase. Uh, So we have her chasing, she's not entirely sure who. Uh, She did see the face of the two dipshits, so she's probably keyed in on them. And we have a little foot chase down to the hotel lobby. Uh, She doesn't really catch up to them, Uh, but if I remember right, uh, she finds Dick Way in the lobby and uh we have like a little bit of a standoff here and i mean i i really like both of these people as just like physical performers because there's this moment where she where dickway is like stopped in the in the entryway of the hotel and he turns around and he's like reaching halfway into his coat like he's probably gonna pull a gun on her and she like gives him this stern look and starts like power walking towards him Um, But then we discover that, like, she's not actually talking to him. She's, like, talking to some employees that are directly behind him. And then he, like, just kind of, like, casually puts his hand aside. And it's just like, okay, crisis averted. I don't have to shoot her. (laughs) It's it's like, um, but just there's no dialogue between the two of them. They just exchange looks. And there's an intensity level that's, like, it's one of those things that I live for in these kinds of martial arts movies where it's, like, a, a put a pin in that kind of moment where it's, like, oh, those two are going to hit each other later and it's going to be good. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Kyle, we have an entire scene of bullshit. Uh, do you want to gloss over this or do you want to pay it any mind?
1: (laughs) Is this the gun dealer?
0: Uh, so before we get there, it's just the two dipshits talking about divvying up their, their, their findings basically. And it's just the two of them arguing over a price basically. But then we get like this neat little sequence that it, it, Feels totally different from the rest of the film because it's lit differently. Like it's bathed in like red and blue light, um, and it's almost like an industrial sequence where it's a, a bunch of mechanical objects moving about, and it's like the forging of a passport essentially. And uh, this is where we're introduced to Choi Hark, uh, who plays Panadol, who is the forger, and uh, his hideout is delightful, Kyle. Um, it made me think of like Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know what I'm talking about with, like, the, the green fencing and, like, the bunk beds and, like, uh, like the cluttered workspace? It looks like a Terry Gilliam film, to be honest.
1: It was so quick. I couldn't, I wanted to see the inside of his little hideout, but I couldn't—I didn't really get to see it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, they didn't have much space to work with. Uh, so some of the angles that we shoot this from are not not extraordinary, and it feels very, very cramped. Um, actually, we, we come back to this set a lot. Um, but one of my favorite uses of it is uh, when one of the many, many, many people uh, who want to kill Pandadal uh, come to comes to visit him. He has a sequence where he's continually trapping the guy uh, by like hopping through all sorts of like shoots and little little like grates that he has set up and like the, he has a rotating door, kind of like a Super Mario world, you know, when a, you can climb on the on the fencing and like switch sides. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like a little door set up like that. Uh, that's my favorite use of this set, but its initial usage here is, like, he gets finished forging a passport, and then a bunch of hoodlums jump in and just start beating his ass for, like, five minutes, mm-hmm. and, like, he keeps trying to escape from them, and, like, everything in his in his place is getting smashed up, but we don't really know who these guys are, we just know that they probably want money, um, because he forged them some IDs, and he, they claim that he did a shit job or something, uh, so they're they've they've come to beat his ass uh, for vengeance essentially, um, but yeah this this scene is I don't, like the the choreography is very very different from anything else in the film because like one we're dealing with a guy Choi Hark who can move but he's he's not trained to the same extent as a lot of the other performers in this film, um, but on top of that like his his main goal in this scene isn't to fight or to win or anything it's just to get away. Uh, in a very cramped space too so any move this he makes doesn't really yield a whole lot of action it's just kind of blah, 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 and then stop. Um, but the one uh, important detail that comes from this is that he um, <laughs> he does pull a gun on them uh, and it turns out to be fake and we, we do like a, a Russian roulette type situation with a whole pile of guns um, and by the end of the scene all of them end up being tucked away in a, like a toolbox um, so we have a situation where there's a whole box full of fake guns, and then one, one exactly one real one. Uh, so put a pin in that. Um, but yeah, I believe the scene ends when uh, his two other dipshit brothers, uh, the little one, the one with the bad hair, uh, they both show up and they do a little skit where they they're just like shouting in the hallway, pretending to be cops, and they like know all the code words and like the procedure. I actually got a little bit of a giggle from that. Like that actually worked for me, but. Um, long story short all the all the bad guys jump out the window via a a hand a handy rope ladder that he just had i I guess you know living in like a hong kong tenement building it might be a good idea to have a rope ladder like just in case the whole building goes to shit or something it wouldn't hurt if you're living up high yeah uh but uh all the guys take off down the rope ladder and he like Finds a way to position himself as the last one to go out the window, and Panadol just cuts the rope ladder, and all those people fall, uh, and presumably don't die. I don't think we're actually shown how they fought, like how they landed. So maybe, maybe there are four dead people on the street below. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> um, but did you did you catch the the lockbox that these guys have?
1: Yeah, don't they all have a key to it? They all have to do their own, like they have their own key. They all have to open it at the same time
0: yeah i thought this was kind of cute like it's a neat little prop and i guess the idea is that they have like a big brother figure who's presumably also a criminal uh we will meet him in a little bit um that they're they're raising money to get him a home because i think he's like in either either in like a sanitarium or old 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 folks oh
1: i was wondering what that scene's all about yeah, it, <laughs> this
0: movie is very meandering and, and definitely does not do its best to keep you informed as to why we're doing the things that we're doing. Um, but yeah, I even know, that's what they're trying to do.
1: I don't even know why Inspector Ying was at the hotel. She just like shows up there. Like there's no, I didn't see anything that would have led her to the hotel room that she needed to go to.
0: It's my understanding that, that she knew the guy uh, but that's me making assumptions, okay. and as Everett McGill said in Under Siege Two, "Dark Territory," assumption is the mother of all fuckups. Uh, <laughs> so th- this is me probably assuming incorrectly. But um, yeah, the I, the plot, as Kyle had pointed out early on, is not why we're watching this kind of movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, they're trying to raise funds to to get their buddies out of out of confinement of some sort. And I like that they have this honor system where it's like the the bank essentially the vault uh, requires all of their cooperation because we do see that they're constantly bickering with each other. So it's they have a neat little dynamic going on. But I love when we're introduced to a villain, Kyle. It's pretty great uh, because he gets to do like the full-on Doctor Evil chair spin, like the first shot that he's in. Like he's intentionally like the the way they block the scene out. He's just like behind a big desk with a bunch of plants and he has his back to the camera and he gets to do the whip around <laughs> he's like what <laughs> i didn't even notice it's like, that oh it's it's, it's blinking. you'll miss it but ah. it's like one of those things that i've always cited this as an example of fun things that actors have the privilege of getting to do on camera willem dafoe having the privilege of being able to say we'll meet again spider-man mm-hmm.
1: oh my god as an
0: actor you, you'd probably just like read that line in the script and just be like oh god i I have to do this Mm -hmm. i have to to do this yes i have i have to take this role just so i can say this um and same with like the dramatic villainous chair spin it's like oh you mean i get to do that (laughs) like so many greats have done that before me like like donald pleasance (laughs) like um but yeah uh, our villain i don't know the name of this actor but i did recognize him from i think he was in the big boss with bruce lee um more than a decade prior to this film, uh, so if I had to guess, I think he's like a Hong Kong stalwart, like he's probably been working there like for ages. Um, and he he sells it, man. Like he's supposed to be like sleazy, like evil businessman type figure, and he has the big gaudy glasses. He's got like the like the gold trimmed dress dress shirts all the time, and he has the fucking laugh. He's just constantly going, <laughs>
1: yeah, it was. <laughs> He was kind of like a cartoon character. He's literally laughing in every scene.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I, I, I think he decided to, to end every line of dialogue he has with, with a big, hearty laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets a little tedious towards the end, but uh, he, he gets his comeuppance. It's like, you know what? I've had enough of you, buddy. <laughs> like, you got to go. <laughs> um, but we have a, a, a farcical scene here where uh, basically it's a panadol. Uh, carving up passports and I believe he he has this like it's almost like a miner's cap or something with like a headlight on it he's like cutting out the the photos and he does not see that the microfilm uh, is actually stored in the dead guy's uh, passport photo and he places it on his on his helmet while he's working without even checking uh, so now we, we the audience, are privy to where the microfilm is, but all the people who are looking for it are clueless to it, including three dipshits. Um, but, yeah, we go back to the station for a minute, uh, so Michelle Yo can uh, kind of not really do much, basically. <laughs> just, uh, just kind of try to figure out what's going on and where to go from here. Meanwhile, our three dipshits are hanging out together and I believe they're getting ready to, to go visit their uh, their buddy in the hospital. But in the meantime, uh, they are becoming aware of the importance of the microfilm via, like, a newspaper article uh, saying that, like, oh, some guy who was carrying this microfilm got killed. Uh, and there might be a bunch of money attached to said microfilm. Uh, but, yeah, a whole bunch of shenanigans happen here. And then we finally end up at the hospital, the aforementioned hospital, Kyle. And do you, do you remember the scene at all?
1: Yeah, uh, this really hot Chinese lady is walking down the hall, and uh, she has big boobs, and these creepy old dudes are, uh, like, there's a creepy dude peeking through uh, a door, and he's, like, saying, like, oh, she's coming, she's coming now, and the one dude looks like he's about to have a heart attack, he's, like, he's, <laughs> like, clutching his chest, and it's, like, what are these guys gonna do to this poor woman? But she comes in, and the guy's hiding behind the door, he snags her, and, like, like, holds her back. And then the other two dudes pull this tray, this cart that she's carrying, and underneath it is a whole chicken. And these guys just grab the whole chicken and start eating the <laughs> shit out of it. And she's like, you guys can't be having that. It's too oily. So basically what we thought was going to be these old guys are going to try to fondle this you know, this lady. Really, they're just, trying, they're just trying to get the chicken. Uh, and then Nurse Ratchet comes in and shuts it down.
0: Yeah, it's like it actually is kind of a nice bait and switch gag. Yeah, where it's like it—it it was the mid '80s. Boob comedies were most certainly a thing. And uh, no, instead they—they just—they just want to diversify their diet and have at that chicken. <laughs> but, I, yeah, a pin, uh,
1: yeah. I pointed out the big boobs because it's—it's—it's it's, it's important for the scene. You're supposed to see the boobs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it. it uh, it makes the math equation easier to solve, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in terms of visual storytelling, where it's like, ah! I, <laughs> like, I know what I'm supposed to be expecting, and then it doesn't happen. And it's like, oh, okay.
1: Like, like, <laughs> Sammo Hung is uh, supposed to be like an old man here, but he looks older. They make him look older here than he does in what? I can't remember what Donnie Yen movie we watched with him where he has his fight scene at the end. Uh, oh, uh, SPL. SPL, yeah. I'm like, but he's actually older in that movie, like, by 20 years, 20, I think, like, 23 years, and he's doing martial arts, so it's just funny that, like, how it, how it switches.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the, the old age makeup that they have here is not spectacular, they just kind of, like, throw ash on people's face, and, I don't know, stick their head in a chimney, (laughs) that, that was our makeup budget, but. Um, yeah, we have our three old fellas and Samo is clearly like the big brother among all of them. And we have this really funny bit where he he basically says, like it's subtitled, where the 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 walls have ears. Um, so he's basically saying like, if you have important details to share with me, like make sure to cover the noise and stuff. And so the like the two other old guys in the room turn on a radio really loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's on par with. Uh, Homer Simpson turning on the radio to cover the stink of a fart, not the actual <laughs> sound of a fart, like just the stink. of it. It's like I, I don't think that's how that works, it's but not okay. How that works. <laughs> but um, yeah, long story short, uh, not not a whole lot important happens in the scene other than uh, our our three dipshits, I guess, having their boss's blessing because uh, they want to get him out of there. Um, but mostly, I'm just happy to see Samo. Uh, Sammo's is one of the most important figures in modern Hong Kong cinema. Uh, I, I love him quite a bit. Like His, his choreography, his acting, his martial arts ability, it, it's top-notch. Um, so I'm just happy to see him here. Um, then we go to the airport. Um, and basically we have a situation where there's a fella who is carrying a counterfeit passport, I believe. Um, and Michelle Yeoh is at the airport to intercept him. Uh, and this guy will not fucking stop uh, because she kicks him around and then five other dude cops come around and they start like tackling him and throwing him through windows and stuff. And he just keeps throwing people around and it's, it's
1: this,
0: (laughs) it's this manic over the top action scene where it was 1985. So if there is glass in the room, it must be shattered. Um, But there's some really lovely camera work here. Like uh, one of my favorites is just this overhead shot of this, of this tough looking guy doing a front flip through a window and it's like this straight down angle that kind of the framing of it looks really incredible um but oh my god i don't know if this is a core u n thing it seems like it might be because i seem to recall stuff like this being in dragons forever but stairs man korean loves throwing his stunt players downstairs um as a stunt performer i don't know how i don't know how those guys feel about that but as a director it seems to be a thing he likes to do to people but yeah we get some nasty stair gags where people are falling downstairs they're rolling downstairs michelle yo drop kicks this guy on the stairs it's like jesus fucking that's that's not how bones work
1: (laughs) i just watched this movie this morning and i barely remember it but i do remember that drop kick
0: Oh my it's spectacular but yeah. it's like one of those things where it's like are you are you made of rubber she's, like how how could how could you do that yeah she's going to It's like what they say about like the NFL where it's like like about about the pads debate where it's like oh if you're not wearing pads you have to be conscious of using your body as a projectile and the consequences thereof it's like it's like that kind of thinking where it's like are you sure you want to drop that drop kick that guy on the stairs yeah. because you will hit the ground and it will not feel nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. But then, as he is getting away because he does manage to break away because again,
1: this man will not fucking
0: stop. Uh, he grabs a hostage, Kyle. And uh, do you want to tell the folks at home what what happens here?
1: Well, I'd never seen uh, Cynthia Rothrock. I had no idea what she looked like. Look like. Look like. Uh, what she looked like. So <laughs> when, uh, when he grabs her, I'm like, who's this, like, just random white lady? Oh, that's Cynthia Rothrock. Okay. Uh, yeah, so what is it with her action scenes that they? she's the only one they do, it. I think maybe one time they do it with uh, Michelle Yeoh, but they do, like, a slow motion thing with her. Uh, I don't know why they do that.
0: Uh, I think it was meant to punctuate the moment because she does, like, a, a kick off of the wall, and he and he, you know takes a big old
1: spill from it but uh, the style a, of she does a gold member kick like the, the, the kick over the shoulder
0: yes she does she <laughs> most certainly does a gold member that, that man is very limber absurdly so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I think it was meant to just like punctuate some of like the form of her movements and stuff and like to her credit um, I mean everybody uses stunt doubles like like jackie chan had a phase of his career where he was not doing that but in later years in later years you know he started doing that donnie yen has
1: always used stunt doubles it's just a thing if we do jackie chan movies i'm not doing jackie chan movies where he's not his own stunt double (laughs)
0: okay well i mean i would insist on i mean the, the name of the show is catching up on cinema kyle i would insist on you seeing like prime jackie like seeing seeing Jackie when, when he was in charge, when he was calling the shots, when he was at his best. I want broken bones, Jackie Chan. Okay, we can do that. Okay. I I can think of a few examples off the top of my head where in the closing credits you get to see some bones broken. Nice. Um I think his nose and most most famously his uh ankle. Ankle, ankle that was yeah.
1: uh a Rumble in the Bronx, I do believe.
0: Yes, when he when he jumped to the hovercraft. Yeah. And, um yeah and operation Condor oh my god he fell off a rock wall in that one and it's like, dude, I think he almost died
1: <laughs> what's the one where he jumps down it's like three it's like three stories and it's all like light bulbs it, it looks like it's in a mall or something police story okay
0: yeah it's a he slides down a pole and he and all these light bulbs are cracking and I guess his I guess his like the temperature. Um, both sliding and, like, having all the explosives go off was incredible. Like, like he thought he was going to burst into flames or something. Awesome. <laughs> crazy dude. You got to be crazy to do the kind of stuff that he did, honestly. Like, not not only to do the things they did, but to do them over and over and over again. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the choreography required so many takes to get just right. But uh, what I was getting at about the stunt doubles is, to, to uh, Cynthia Rothrock's credit, um, I didn't notice any doubling uh, during the, the fighting, it was only for bumps, like for getting thrown across the room or like falling down stairs and things of that nature, but like all the hand fight, like all the hand work, all the kicks, it's all her, uh, which is why they do things like slow motion to point that out, where it's like it's a head to toe shot, yes she just kicked off the wall and launched that man into the air with her foot, uh, that was all her. Um, unfortunately it's 1985 and it's a Hong Kong production. So the style of slow motion that was used here is that nasty, uh, strobe, like, like eh, 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 as opposed to the ultra smooth, like high shutter speed that we're so spoiled by these days. Um, not a big fan of that look. I brought it up on the show before one of the ugliest instances I can think of is, uh, funny enough, like some of the prettiest movies out there, like Peter Jixon, uh, Lord of the Rings and uh, mm-hmm. King Kong both use this weird strobe effect that um, I disagree with that directorial choice, my friend. I, I do I'm too. Sorry. It's I mean, the- you're, you are a genius, but you know, not every, not nobody's perfect. It's as, the uh, as the guy from Taxi said in Independence Day. <laughs>
1: nobody's perfect. I'm not Jewish. Uh, yeah, no, it's. <laughs> I know exactly what shot that is. That's when Frodo gets to Rivendell, and it's the stupid. I, it's insane how perfect that trilogy is and that one scene is just awful it's thank God it's all it's just there for a little while and it does yeah. come up a little bit later when the orcs are chasing everybody but it's we just very little but it's enough to drive you insane
0: yeah but long story short Cynthia Rothrock just happened to be arriving at the airport uh to work on this case apparently and uh she beats this guy's ass Uh, Mm -hmm. And yes, it's punctuated by a couple of slow motion shots. And this guy who was kind of like handling multiple people up to this point, we get to see just get fucking trounced by her. It's pretty spectacular. Uh, But they do arrest him. They bring him back to the station. Uh, We do have a bit where uh, initially the Hong Kong police are speaking to Cynthia Rothrock in English. uh, But then she counters in fluent Cantonese. And they're all like, ooh. Um, And from from there on out, she's... (laughs)
1: Cynthia Rothrock uh, talks in Cantonese. Yes, that's what happens. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Cynthia uh, (laughs) Rothrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) No, her dub is really... When when her dub first starts, I was laughing. I'm like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Because it's not only not her but it's definitely not her speaking Cantonese it's pretty funny and her mouth is not even close to what the person dubbing is doing
0: oh yeah no on the set I'm pretty sure she was just speaking her lines in English and then uh, I've, I've mentioned this before when we've talked about older Hong Kong films but sync sound was not really a thing in Hong Kong cinema until much later uh, than in American cinema uh, so pretty much all the dialogue in this film is dubbed seemingly by not that many people because I did notice a certain tone of voices for like gruff characters. It's like pretty sure that guy just had a conversation with himself. <laughs> um, but yeah, every, everybody, every sound is dubbed in this movie. So there's a lot of people who are having other voices substitute for them. This is why... The idea of having chinese actors who don't even speak cantonese or mandarin in movies of that language is very common uh to this day it's because it's like oh we've been watching dubbed films in our own country for years it's not unusual to see someone like fan bing bing who as far as i know doesn't speak cantonese like have a totally different voice every fucking movie we've seen her in i've said this before kyle This woman is one of the most famous actresses in China. I own several movies that she's in. I don't think I've ever heard her natural speaking voice. (laughs) (laughs) And she's had a different voice every fucking time. But yeah, she's dubbed throughout this entire film. And I like the way her dialogue is structured, where it's like uh, she's kind of rough around the edges. Like, she's very, very blunt. Um, And it kind of works for her character. It's like Michelle Yeoh's, like, tough, righteous cop and Cynthia Rothrock is like uh, tough dirty cop um, and somewhere in the middle they find justice
1: yeah it's funny that uh, the when there's like a line there's like someone from London will be helping and I'm like Cynthia Rothrock I'm like eh, I feel like this would be a gruff American cop because uh, she is a dirty cop for sure
0: yeah uh, it. <laughs> I had a lot of fun looking this up Kyle Cynthia Rothrock is from Delaware mm. I'm in Delaware <laughs> i'm in delaware yeah <laughs> um but yeah she has entered the picture um at some point they uh, bring the perp back to the uh station and they're they're having a debate yeah i did think that's funny though that she's supposed to be british it's like <laughs> i'm sorry no <laughs> um, but um and she interrogates the fella because they're having trouble getting any words out of him and she, <laughs> this is not police work she straight up beats his ass yeah uh We attempt to do, like, a character-building moment where she, like, offers him a cigarette and then slaps it across his face after she lights it. Mm -hmm. And we see her, like, she burnt herself doing it, but she doesn't show any pain. So it's like, this this lady's real fucking tough. It's like, I didn't need another example of that. She's plenty talented when it comes to ass-kicking, but uh, it's just another little detail. But uh, long story short, they—I don't think they— I don't think they get anything out of him despite like a couple minute scene of her beating his ass. So they decide to take him to the hospital, but then uh, he escapes because this man is unstoppable. Uh, and he goes and he pays Choi Hark a visit at his, his uh, forging hideout. And this is where we get that protracted scene, Kyle, that I was talking about that it plays out much like a a Jackie Chan style, I guess, like action comedy sequence where it's, Basically, one guy's trying to get at the other guy, and he just has all these trap doors and, like, just trap devices set up in his apartment uh, just for this type of situation. And it's, it's wonderful. Like, it, it really makes really solid use of, of the environment and the set. Um, and it has a nice flow to it. Um, but, yeah, uh, Kyle, we did miss a thing here. Um, so both you and I had noticed some quirks in the music of this film. Uh, so the first instance of this occurred in the hotel lobby uh, during the suspenseful scene where Dick Way and uh, Michelle Yeoh uh, looked like they're going to have a face off. Uh, Kyle, do you want to let the folks at, at home know what you noticed here uh, on the soundtrack?
1: It sounds exactly like the Halloween theme. Uh, Cause I wrote down and I was like, is this the fucking Halloween theme? I'm like listening to it. I'm like, I think it's just sped up a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it's the Halloween theme.
0: Uh, it I think it actually is just straight up the Halloween theme. It's not the theme precisely, not from the opening sequence. It's from uh, the suspenseful scene when music. Michael. Yeah, it's when Michael's like in the yard heading towards the house. Um, it's that dun, 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 dun. Ee, dun, yeah. dun with the ding, 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 ding over it. You you need to have more than one voice going to do the whole thing. But yeah, it's difficult. It it straight up is from the Halloween soundtrack, and it comes up more than once in the film uh, during suspenseful sequences, but. uh I'm really glad that you noticed that because you know the how Halloween do you soundtrack is, yeah. Like, how could you not? But um, you know, China often plays fast and loose with copyright and stuff, so it's like I don't. I don't think they had any qualms about borrowing John Carpenter's music for that. But for what it's worth, I guess it works. Um, but anyway, uh, long story short, uh, the scene ends with Choi Hark like heading out to the roof, and this guy is trying to choke him to get to death. Uh, Fortunately, our two heroines. uh, Fortunately, (laughs) Justin.
1: I don't know if I'd use fortunately to describe them showing up.
0: I mean, the the man is being choked to death, hanging from a roof. Like it's it's either Cynthia Rothrock shoots at you, or you fall to your death. Like what what? How do you want it, Kyle? How do you want
1: it? (laughs) He's being choked to death, and Cynthia Rothrock's like, "Put him down, or I'm gonna fucking shoot you." And he's like, "I'm gonna kill him." (laughs) and she shoots him and this dude just drops into a bunch of wires and is hanging the <laughs> like hanging from his neck like an inch from the ground basically
0: yeah if he wasn't one of the three dipshits and if this was a different movie his neck would be broken uh-huh. he would be dead
1: his neck did <laughs> not break <laughs> uh,
0: Kyle i don't know if you i don't know if you have any special affinity for the uh, uh, robin hood men in tights mel brooks film oh no uh, the hangman scene, give give me that, Kyle. Give uh, me the Godfather with Dom De no. and the hangman. At least give me those
1: two. So I didn't walk out on that movie, but as a child, I stopped watching it because I was like, this is not this is not for me. I wa- I wanted to watch that movie because that was about the time that I saw Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So I'm like, oh yeah, another Robin Hood movie. I shut that off as a child. So sorry, no, I can't give that to you.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to forward you those two clips, okay? And you can pass judgment. You don't have to. You don't have to placate me, but please humor me, at okay? At least. Okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, the 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 villain uh, from the airport is taken care of. Choi Hark did not. His neck did not break. Uh, he is brought in uh, for questioning, and basically, he's trying not to give up his other two dipshit brothers. Uh, but he kind of has a tell in the form of he sees a photo of them and his face lights up and Michelle Yeoh being a super cop uh, gets wise to this and she's like mm, he didn't say as much but I think he—I think those people that he saw like that he recognized might be worth questioning as well uh, and then we cut back to our villains for a second and I don't think this is ever explicitly stated at least in the subtitles but based on the costuming of our villains I want to say that they they're supposed to be foreign uh if i had to guess they're either vietnamese cambodian or thai or something or they or at least they're wrapped up in people from those nations or something because mm. there's long been a thing in in a uh, hong kong cinema and and chinese cinema in general in fact it's gotten worse kyle uh where a lot of like all the bad things that happen in china get thrown at those respective countries mm. where it's like drugs it must be from thailand or it's like slave trades oh it must be the vietnamese stuff like that um and just based on the costume the guy the one guy has like a u.s army jacket and the other guy has some sort of like cap and an outfit that does not look distinctly chinese um if i had to guess these guys are supposed to be like foreign to some extent but it's never actually stated but Anyway, we see that they have some sort of plans going on. Then we cut to a pool
1: hall for some bullshit. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a weird transition. Okay, yo, so the one guy looks like Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> uh, he's he's dressed like Sergeant Slaughter. He's even got the big dumb mustache like Sergeant Slaughter.
0: Yeah, if he had sunglasses on and he was you know two hundred pounds heavier, it yeah. would be perfect but yes he, he is dressed like a military figure with a, a big bushy mustache and he his thing is that he has a knife and I want to say it, it's like a rule in Hong Kong cinema from this era that you can't have a movie without a bad guy named Mad Dog uh, because he is our mad dog and uh, we will watch Hard Boiled someday Kyle and there is most certainly a mad dog in that one. Um, fat. Yes okay and yeah, Tony he- Long, <laughs> uh, who is Oftentimes cited as like one of the one of the like the biggest stars in Hong Kong cinema and one of the most handsome dudes out there.
1: Chow Young could probably get his own. He could probably get his own month. I think he could easily get his own month. Because there's a couple oh, of movies easily, I like to see. Yeah. Um oh, easily. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know, somebody somebody mentions that they go to this pool hall, but somebody knows to go to the pool hall, but two of our stooges are at the pool hall. And I don't know if they hustle pool games, but uh, I think they're about to try to hustle a pool game. Um, some dude comes up to him and was like, hey, you want to play my boss? And we don't see who this guy is. He's just standing on the other side of the pool table and you can't see his face, but he's just in a suit. And I think we're going to go, uh, the bet's going to be a thousand dollars a point. And they're just like, oh yeah, easily. We, we've got this, no problem. Um, and the game starts and then dipshit, uh, with the long, the uh, dip, uh, glasses dipshit. I was looking at the, um is looking at the tv and he sees this uh pool champion and he's just like knocking balls in like crazy and he looks over well wouldn't you know it the guy hustling them at the pool game is the guy on the tv
0: yeah uh, i didn't do any research into this but my gut tells me that this guy actually is a pool champion like i i want to say he was not an actor he was like legitimately like a a Chinese pool champion of it, some
1: sort. It does feel like one of those moments where you have an actual professional athlete come into the movie. Yeah, I know yeah.
0: It, it feels the the footage looked genuine uh, from that pool match, and not only that, the way he's introduced, just the framing of it looks like it's understood that you'll recognize his face or something. Like you'll know who this guy is. Like like ha- it's like a celebrity cameo, but from a from a different era and a different country. So it's like. I don't even know what the fuck's going on, but um, yeah. Long story short, they get clobbered on the on the pool table. I don't know if they're playing uh, pool or or uh, snooker. It looked like snooker based on the color of the balls. Uh, they're all pink. I noticed. Um, but yeah, uh, they they try to like talk their way out out of paying up this absurd fee. It's like over a hundred thousand dollars or something. Um, and then uh, our pool champion guy has a whole goon squad with him. But like right before blows start being exchanged dick way shows up because he's looking for our two dipshits um so he kind of inadvertently helps them escape the situation it's this this big slobber knocker uh in the pool hall and they escape um and then dick way gives chase on a fucking dirt bike and he is utterly disrespectful to all the cars in the environment because he is he is just hood jumping and like driving all over these things and, yeah, we get some some neat bike stunts here where he's, like, knocking down fences. And they even, like, built a ramp for him to go, like, along the wall in one shot. It's kind of neat stuff. It's totally extraneous, but it's, like, it, it, it makes what could have been just, like, a really basic foot chase into something, like, a little bit more visually interesting, I guess. Uh, but our heroes escape, and uh, they manage to, like, duck into this, like, I think it's called, like, the basement bar or something. But... Mm-hmm. Um, they take refuge down here but uh not entirely because things <laughs> things do not exactly go their way down here either so it's like a brief respite I guess uh but here is where I noticed uh, a quirk on the soundtrack so Kyle got to talk about Halloween and I get to talk about something else and that would be the music that's playing uh in this club here uh and what I noticed was I know the song actually uh this is strictly just an a uh, condensed instrumental version of it it's just like part of the opening I think um, this is do you want to funk by Sylvester do you want uh, which to I remember mostly for being on the uh I think it was coming to America soundtrack uh but it's it's like a it's like a club dance song like with a disco flavor to it but they they did just strictly the instrumental version of it but I was like I heard it and I was like Oh, I know that, (laughs) but I was waiting for the lyrics to kick in and they never did. Um, But I did notice that uh, I don't know the name of the actor, but the bartender here has like two lines and uh, I recognized him as Van Damme's like trainer from the
1: kickboxer film. There was a guy I definitely recognized. I just couldn't. I'm like, I know I've seen that dude someplace, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where I saw him from. Yeah,
0: it was, it was kind of, it was Kind of interesting, because like this, this has happened in more than one Van Damme movie for sure. Where uh, a lot of a lot of prominent Chinese actors in some of his films uh, just show up, show up in like Hong Kong films, where it's like you you recognize them from his filmography, but you don't think of them as like being working actors on the other side of the world. But yeah, this guy immediately I recognized him. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> it's like that guy's going to be in Kickboxer in a few years. Um, but here he's just the bartender, and he gets hassled by Cynthia Rothrock and end scene. Um, but yeah, uh, all of our parties converge here uh, because we have Dick Way giving chase. We have our two dipshits, and we have our two leading ladies, uh, and we have a bathroom confrontation where Dick Way holds up our two boys uh, at knife point, and he's of course asking, "Where's the fucking microfilm? Where's the McGovern? Uh, where's the Infinity Stones?" Um, and then uh, Cynthia Rothrock and Michelle Yeoh show up, and uh, we have a, a brief but pretty impressive scrap in here, Kyle. Uh, did, were there any beats of this that jumped out at you?
1: No, I just noticed, uh, I was like, I've, I've noticed you've got to have a good bathroom fight. I'm noticing bathroom fights are, are I what was it? Um, the most recent Mission Impossible had an awesome bathroom fight. Our um, bathroom, or f- is it a common thing uh, in these types of movies? Like, I don't know. I've just noticed there's been more and more bathroom fights. The true Lies. Uh,
0: I, I mean, that's one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Actually, I have a theory on this, Kyle, and I just crafted this on the fly. Um, my theory is that the reason why you see a lot of bathroom fights is because bathrooms are generally they don't require a lot of real estate, mm-hmm. and to do a <laughs> good slobber knocker like a a real down and dirty bathroom fight. property damage is required and so to properly (coughs) execute a bathroom fight, you usually have to build a set Mm -hmm. and because a traditional bathroom doesn't need to be gigantic it makes it more believable like a set that you can construct it's like okay we can afford to do that it doesn't have to be enormous um the the size restrictions are actually a blessing when it comes to pulling off the I don't know, make it look realistic, I guess.
1: Punisher Warzone, World's End, and this. But we've done three movies with bathroom fights in, like, the past month.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I love a good bathroom fight. They're some of my favorite things. A lot of it has to do with the props as well. Just because (laughs) porcelain is wonderful to see people smash into. Uh, Sinks getting smashed. Toilet stalls getting smashed. I mean, even, like, Terminator 3... Like, the spectacle of having people smash through multiple bathroom stalls, like, like just, like, hockey fighting backwards into a bathroom stall, is pretty fucking cool to look at.
1: <laughs> I don't remember that movie at all. I've seen it uh, one time. I think you
0: blocked it out, Kyle. Like, I, probably I know did. Uh, Yeah, I, I think, if I remember right, you're not a big fan. Probably not. Okay, well, uh, off the top of my head, I can think of two Korean bathroom fights that you absolutely should see. Um the the Man from Nowhere has a very solid one. Um, but there is there is one of the most spectacular ones I have seen in recent memory um, is from a movie called The Outlaws uh, with Ma Dong-suk, uh, who's going to be in that... Uh, he's in Train to Busan. He was in that flu movie that we did uh, as the, the husky fella. He was kind of a shit heel in that one. Um, he's going to be in the Marvel uh, Eternals movie. Anyway... It is a fucking throwdown. They destroy this bathroom, and it is a it is a nice bathroom too. And they just fucking level it. It's fantastic. I, I'll have to find it on YouTube. So now I have like three fucking things I gotta send to you Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, one one beat that I I need to single out here is I think it was Michelle Yeoh's stunt double, but Dick Way just like picks her up and much like Looney Bin Jim in uh, Punisher War Zone she just gets thrown on the on the sink counter and her legs like smash into the mirror Mm -hmm. and she like bounces off the counter it's like oh oh my god you're back (laughs) (laughs) it's spectacular and it's it's kind of neat because like we we mentioned this before about punisher warzone in in fact was that it's like you know it has that opening scene where that old lady gets her neck broke it's like you know what equal opportunity man <laughs> like i don't care if you're an old lady if you draw a gun on me you got to go and same with michelle yo it's like i'm sorry you're kicking my ass right now i gotta do whatever it takes to get you off of me and that involves throwing your ass into a mirror literally <laughs> um, so it's like you know just because she's a lady doesn't mean you can't you know go full out in a in a movie that is um it it shows respect to, to all those involved, but then we get like roughly ten minutes of bullshit in the form of two traffic cops having an argument, and this is some Abbott, Costello, Abbott and Costello who's on first horse shit about who gets to write the ticket and who gets who gets the collar essentially, uh, and the whole reason we do this is just so our two dipshits can walk up on them and try to get arrested because they want refuge in jail basically because they know that they have Dick Way on their ass now um and they come to the conclusion that the only way to get this outcome is to beat up one of the cops (laughs) and allow him to arrest them after they've assaulted him it's actually the the payoff is funny because we get to see this like bruised up old very old cop like escorting them down the hallway in cuffs but to get to that payoff it's just like 10 minutes of yep 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 yep, yep." it's like oh my god shut up (laughs) Um yeah, we go back to the station and I think we get 10 more minutes of bullshit uh wherein Michelle Yo actually kicks the two dudes out of the station. She will not arrest them. She will not put them in jail because uh turns out the old dude was okay with getting his ass beat. He's like, "I don't, I don't feel like pressing charges." So they're back out on the street again. Um and then I I don't know what the point of this was. Maybe this is like maybe this is like some sort of like uh chinese or or like hong kong like cultural or social thing like about learning a lesson or something but she kicks them back out onto the street and all that comes of it is they go back to the pool hall and our two dipshits get get their asses kicked and immediately come back to the station and then everybody laughs at them
1: well i think they lead them there they're like we can they're like we're not going to arrest you like well listen we can help you with your case we think because you're doing this case right because uh, it's not even really clear that they're doing the case. So, I think they lead them to the pool hall to give them, like, something. So, they instigate a fight. And then the cops are just like, yeah, we're going to go. This is this is your problem. <laughs> and it is kind of funny. They get their asses beat again by the same guy. Again <laughs> by the same guy. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That's what it I'm saying. It is funny. Like, so, I'm like, the tone of this movie is pretty funny. Like, it, it's a, it's pretty humorous. So until the very until the very last scene
0: <laughs> until the very last scene but yeah it is silly it it comes across as very cartoony and even the color palette like the way everybody's costumed and like Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock the way their makeup is done is like mm. it's it's a it's a little much but then again it's also 1985
1: i do like uh i think this movie must have been touched up cuz I don't know, when the, when the credits came on, I'm like, oh no, this is going to be like trying to watch Dead Alive, like this is going to look like absolute garbage. But then we get to that first scene, I'm like, oh, this actually looks good. So it made me feel a lot better.
0: Yeah, actually, me too. I, I wasn't sure what to expect, because uh, a lot of these films have not been preserved all that well. Um, but thankfully, yeah, this,
1: this particular version of it seems to be
0: just fine. Peter like, Jackson,
1: it, it, it is. <laughs> if you're listening... Would you please fucking remaster and send us a Blu-ray cut of Dead Alive? We need it. I need that. because yeah, it I, is unwatchable on the DVD.
0: Yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, Dead Alive does exist on Blu-ray, uh, but it's apparently a this not very good transfer. Yeah. Like it's comparable to the DVD. It, um, so yeah, that is one of those things. It's like, why haven't they done that yet? I mean, he his name has brand value jesus
1: he can fucking afford to do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean for fuck's sake he did that world war one documentary that they shall not grow old like i'm sure that was quite a bit of money
1: out well, of his that own son pocket. of a bitch like, i'm st- I, I care more about world uh, world war one war over brain over brain dead or dead alive however <laughs> you want to call it come on pete <laughs>
0: come on man come what's on, more man. historically valuable <laughs> jeez <laughs> yeah um but our, uh, our two dipshits are released once again after getting another ass beating, uh, and they go to visit their buddy Panadol, uh, Choi Hark, in his, uh, in his hideout here, and they, uh, there's five more minutes of bullshit <laughs> where, where basically they, uh, they have another who's on first routine about the microfilm. Where is the microfilm? What do we do with the microfilm? Oh, here's the microfilm. Who gets the microfilm? Uh, at some point people are slipping the microfilm behind their backs so it's not certain who has it apparently there's also a fake one uh so now our macguffin is all sorts of fucky we do have a funny bit though where uh, apparently the the short dipshit and uh choy hark uh the fordribble sh- uh, dipshit uh, are continually at odds with each other but i guess they uh, come to an understanding uh when like a billion dollars is at stake basically uh so they kind of dick uh shitty hair dipshit um and send him on his way and he he goes to talk to the cops and (laughs) i like during this conversation michelle yo is wearing like uh like a she she has her collar popped (laughs) she's wearing like the equivalent of like a green lacoste shirt but her collar is popped (laughs) it's like (laughs) the fashion in this movie is is spectacular Uh, it makes me giggle um in the best of ways but um shitty hair seems like he wants to comply with the cops meanwhile his two buddies are more interested in profiting uh so our two heroines they do confront our our villain our guy with the hearty laugh uh, but nothing really comes of it because uh i guess he's connected and all the cops in town know that he's a slimy son of a bitch but there's really nothing to be done about it uh so how many times am I gonna say five variations of five to ten minutes of bullshit? Happen?
1: <laughs> it's a yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it was really hard to know what was actually happening in the film because we don't really have much of a story. It's like we get to this part now. We have something. Oh, microfilm. Okay, so we have to keep the bad guy from getting it. Yeah, it. it that's pretty much what's happening here.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually kind of a thing I've noticed with Hong Kong films. It's it's actually almost like a done right it can be a very appealing way of telling a story where you have like a central figure who's like on the poster advertised as like our main character but all they're actually there to do is just kind of like be the righteous hand of justice kind of like be the deus ex machina to to wrap up the story Mm -hmm. like a a movie that you do know kyle um spl Mm -hmm. um we reviewed that a very long time ago holy shit like years ago yeah um Donnie Yen's character in that is just kind of like righteous, good cop. Mm -hmm. And he's the new arrival in town, so no one likes him either. Uh, So we have all these other cops of like, I don't know, kind of morally gray circumstances. Then you have him who is like this divine, ultra righteous super cop who is literally in the movie just to beat ass and end the story Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and very similarly Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock we never get to see them have a character building moment or even a moment alone like enjoying a cup of coffee they're on the job 24-7 they are cop they are lady cops Um, and similarly to that the way this story ends is almost all of the story is devoted to our three dipshits farting around town and then they just pop in every once in a while to give give the plot a little bit of a nudge and then we when we run out of ideas they show up to beat ass and end the story (laughs) um it's a format that i've noticed happens in hong kong cinema from time to time and like i said done right like in the case of spl i actually don't mind it but in this one it actually became like a little bit of a thing where i was like are we ever gonna like see them be people (laughs) it's like
1: nope we're not interested in that (laughs) it's more about the three dipshits like it's it is it is
0: but all the all the glory, all the all the really cool stuff is devoted to our ladies. Uh, so, and I I would still argue that it's supposed to be a platform for Michelle Yeoh and mm-hmm. Cynthia Rothrock, mostly the former, uh, because she is featured prominently on the poster, and there is a reason it's called Yes, Madam. Um, and in fact, this franchise would would continually feature ladies in the, in the like, either leading or co-starring mm-hmm. roles. Um, but yeah, most of the screen time for certain and the characterization is devoted to our dipshits.
1: Was this maybe started as kind of a novelty? Like, like this was not a thing in uh, Hong Kong cinema where you have a female cop leading, basically leading the group.
0: I think that may have been the case. I mean, women in uh, martial arts roles in Chinese cinema have been a thing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as cops, I don't think so. Um, so and my, this, this film is often cited as the first of its kind
1: so um, it might have so, just been like they didn't need too much of her in it because just a little bit would have been enough
0: well I actually forgot to to check what her uh, filmography was like leading up to this um, Michelle Yeoh that is because uh, she's been working so consistently for so long that's like I I forget what, uh, what the beginning and end of her career is like but uh, I'll have to check if if this was like a first for her or what Um, but we'll get to that in a second Uh, meanwhile we're kind of setting up for a final confrontation so I believe this is where our our ladies uh, (laughs) do the dirty hairy thing of turning in their their guns and their badges uh, because uh, they're no they're no longer cops they're strictly just out for they're playing for keeps for vengeance sake um, also, we had another callback to Dirty Harry that I again forgot to mention um, during that opening uh, armored car sequence. Uh, the end of that is uh, Michelle Yeoh holding up a dude at, like, at gunpoint, and he's laying on the ground with a gun within reach. And uh, she does the Dirty Harry, like how many bullets are left in the chamber uh, routine, like was it five or was it six? Um, and instead of the Dirty Harry thing where the guy like, rolls his eyes and it's like ah shit you were actually out of ammo you just bluffed um, he actually reaches for it and she blows his fucking hand
1: up <laughs> um, so this is the third film that she's done and the first, first one is just something called the, old, the owl versus something I don't know it looks just like Hong Kong schlock the second film she was in was Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars
0: okay I did mention that earlier mm-hmm. um, yeah so Sammo Hung I mean Sam Hung is <laughs> Sammo Hung is kind of like the, uh, the the Seinfeld or the Larry David of, uh, of martial arts uh, right. I say that because famously Larry David in particular has always been cited as being very good about promoting t- upcoming talent um, there's a reason why everyone was on that show uh, mm. over the years it's because he would do that. He would, he would help people. He'd give people a leg up. And even Curb Your Enthusiasm, Curb Your Enthusiasm extends that trend. Uh, there's a lot of underutilized or up-and-coming talent that find their way
1: into his programming. Most of the, the people in this movie that we're talking about are in Twinkle, Twinkie, Twinkle, Twinkle, Lucky Stars. Uh, but can I name off just some of the character names real quick? Sorry. Go for it. We have Kid Stuff, Sandy, Roundhead, Pagoda, uh Wormgrass, uh Muscles, Ricky Fung, mustache assassin, Japanese assassin, and uh associate of muscles, and my personal favorite Caucasian assassin. <laughs> Man. Okay. That's great.
0: <laughs> Those are
1: pretty good character names.
0: Yeah, I I I don't know, I I, I don't have the most appreciation for the lucky stars films um i feel like the the farting around ratio is even greater in those uh as compared to this they do have action components and they do have like some of the biggest stars of their day in them uh which was kind of the appeal it's it's almost like an ocean's 11 type situation where it's like everybody we got and all of these people are actually friends in real life so it's going to be a lot of fun but i don't know just a little bit too much farting around um a little too unfocused for my taste uh, I tend to like things a little bit more straightforward. Although I'm not opposed to fun in my Hong Kong cinema for sure. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Caucasian assassin. Caucasian assassin. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we we get yet another instance of Choi Hark getting his ass beat in his own home, mind you, uh, where Dick Way pays him a visit, and this time Dick Way brought his his uh, Don Johnson get up with his red shirt and his white white suit with the sleeves rolled up and everything spectacular outfit like i said i would own it i would wear it if it was socially acceptable today um and this is coming from somebody who does indeed own randy savage macho man sunglasses in a bandana oh yeah and i did bring them on my trip to portland i have not busted them out yet kyle but uh the girlfriend will probably have to be embarrassed in public by the macho man yeah oh, man. <laughs> um yeah, Dick Way accosts uh, Choi Hark in his apartment. He does shoot him, and uh, I was waiting for this to turn out to be a fake gun because I, I want to say that there was a gun shuffle that happened here, and of course we do know that Choi Hark has a whole box full of uh, fake guns. Uh, but no, uh, this the shitty red paint on him is indeed supposed to be blood. <laughs> um, he was actually shot, and uh, his two dipshit brothers and, and the lady show up. Uh, we have a little scrap. Long story short, Choi Hark is dead. Uh, and uh the the one dude with the shitty hair man or one dipshit he goes bonkers Mm -hmm. Uh, he flips the fuck out and uh he's he tries to choke Cynthia Rothrock to death (laughs) and then he runs upstairs and he gets strapped uh he he pulls a John Matrix slash John Rambo a John move if you will and uh, he grabs a grenade. He grabs a whole vest full of revolvers, and he hops on his his Vespa <laughs> to go visit the bad
1: guys. He's going, and ramp- also he, yeah, he just found yeah. out that he's got uh, basically candy corn and Zima uh, as his uh, chemotherapy medicine. So yeah, he's on a rampage now.
0: Yeah, and uh, he's headed to pay the bad guys a visit, and uh, he also brought his uh, his box full of cash. Uh, so he is coming either to seek. Swift vengeance or a deal. Vengeance will um, be mine. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, we get our final fucking showdown finally. Uh where the movie finally actually this has been kind of an annoyance uh throughout the entire film was that I know how talented all the people involved in this production are. Um and in watching all the action scenes, it's like you get a taste of what's to come. But it doesn't allow itself to go like full-out balls-to-the-wall action mode until literally its final scene, and it's a very, very good final scene. It's spectacular, in fact. But I, they teased me a little too much. I could have used a middle sequence, like like just a you know a truck chase, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. Just just like one big protracted action scene smack in the middle, just to keep keep reminding me that like we're capable of doing good shit? Because the whole time you're watching the movie, if you haven't seen it before, you're like worried that it's like, oh shit, are they are they ever going to hit that high? Because I, I really can't tell up until the very end.
1: It's Yeah, it's very disappointing when you have, like, you cast a movie and you're like, oh, I know what kind of movie this is going to be. Like, this is going to be super funny. Like, when Bridesmaids come, came out, I'm like, I saw it and it was going to be rated R and I took two of my buddies and like, we're going to go watch this movie. He's like, this is a chick movie. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is going to be hilarious. And it's it's fucking hilarious. But I thought the same thing going into the movie Rough Night, which has several comedians. Uh, Was it? Uh, Jillian Bell, Ilana Glazer, and Kate McKinnon. It's fucking terrible, because none of them get to be funny. It's a, com- it's a complete waste of time. They're not funny at all in the entire movie. Kate McKinnon's a little funny, but the other ones I'm like, why would you... Why would you bring them in if it's not going to be a funny movie? It's really disappointing. So I understand what you're going through <laughs> in, in scenes like this where it's like, why not showcase them more? Let them do what they're good at.
0: Yeah, it 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 is it is exactly that kind of experience where it's like, I, I know on paper what all of these people can give. So let them give it. Um, but, you know, film production is a tricky process. A lot of it is straight up just logistics. Like like I said, like building a a bathroom set to stage a good bathroom fight sometimes is something that a movie can't afford to do. So you have to just do you have to give what you can afford to give.
1: Uh, don't watch that rough night movie, but if you can <laughs> if you can find the clip, look for the guy who plays Buzz from Home Alone. Uh, he does a bump of meth in a gas station, and it's the funniest scene of the whole movie.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I I would totally watch that. <laughs> Um, not that whole movie so I have to watch that and I have to remember to send you a bunch of Robin Hood clips and uh, if I can find it the <laughs> fight from uh, the outlaws in the bathroom because I don't know Kyle we might have to maybe we could do like a, a bonus episode just about bathroom fights <laughs> bathrooms and fist fights rumpus rooms and fist fights
1: not,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, <probably> do that. <laughs> master bedrooms and fist fights that's a uh, gag from Rocco's Modern Life if, ah. you, haven't, if you haven't seen it. Uh, point is, you can never have too many bathrooms. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, actually I lied. We don't get to our final climactic action scene because we need ten more minutes of bullshit. Uh, because we have yet another gag sequence where our dipshit with the shitty hair uh, is strapped with revolvers, only one of which we discover is real. Uh, So he throws the grenade, everybody ducks and covers, it turns out to be like a little music box. Uh, Everybody gets back up, uh, he pulls a gun on them, he starts shooting, turns out it's blanks. Uh, They do that like two or three more times. And then finally, I believe he pulls the real gun, and he blows one dude's head off. It's like, oh, okay, that makes you a (laughs) Moidoo, in the words of Keith David. Um, But... That, I guess, triggers the final battle. But wait, we need to talk a little bit more uh, because our two ladies show up uh, to back up Shitty Hair uh, who is now being held up by a couple of swordsmen. There are many swordsmen in the sequence. Um, And then finally, we get to fight. And uh, holy shit, some of the stunt work in the sequence is like top tier kind of stuff. I mean, one of the opening salvos is a dude Hanging from balcony, he gets shot in mid air, and he falls off at at a horrendous angle. And it's just like I I hope that guy got paid. He probably didn't get paid well, but you know he got paid something. He got to eat. Um, <laughs> yeah, he got to eat that day. He got he got to visit Craft Services for a little while. Yeah, Sam Samo was probably like, I I want to say Samo Hung was a producer on this. He's like. Mm. Buddy, you got to get out here. I seen you. I seen you go back to the back of the line. There's a line, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, if it's coming from Samo, you're gonna listen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, our two ladies—they uh, strike a pose and they do like a little like high five. And it's like, when did that happen? I don't think these people ever liked each other. Like, I, I don't even think these people like things. I think they just cop all day. Like twenty four seven, just they are Robocops, but ladies. Um, but yeah, they both cut loose and just start going to town on all the henchmen. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock at one point picks up a staff, and she is incredible with it. Um, I know she was a very accomplished martial artist prior to this film. She did, she won all manner of like form competitions and stuff. So this kind of stuff is like right up her like right in her wheelhouse like traditional kung fu forms and things like that and yeah she's spectacular she's beating all sorts of ass um only problem is we have the the dmx and jet Li situation where it's like we're watching her do all sorts of cool stuff and then we cut to the guy with the shitty hair swinging swords and stuff for a good solid minute and the whole time i'm like Where's Michelle Yeoh? Where's the lady from the poster? <laughs> like, where's the lady that's supposed to be the
1: star of the film? Because like we, you would have Michelle Yeoh in your uh, Michelle Yeoh film, right? <laughs> Hello. I really hate that man. <laughs> Hello.
0: <laughs> duk, duk, duk. Uh but yeah, we get to see this dipshit swing these swords around for a good solid couple minutes. Before we finally get to see Michelle Yeoh's end of uh, end of this final battle, and again, it's a Hong Kong film from the '80s. Uh, punches are thrown in anger, so every bit of glass in this very fancy mansion has to be smashed. Mm. And some of these bumps are just fucking juicy, man. Um, did you catch the kip like, up that she did? Like it, it would do you proud, because I know the kip up was a move that you were your your brother himself told me you you were kind of obsessed with nailing.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lu Kang. Uh, thanks, yeah. Thanks for that, dude. Uh, uh, I I was pretty pissed off at this point, so I was kind of in and out of the action. Uh, so I I did miss the kip up. I might go back okay, now yeah. that now that I've finished the movie. I might go back and watch the last eight minutes of the film because at this point I was just like, okay, I'm I'm just about done with this.
0: Yeah. If if you rented the movie, I would suggest doing that because okay. if you isolate this sequence from the rest of the movie, it's objectively a very good sequence okay like it's a it's a very solid finale to an action movie and yes uh keep your eye out for the kip up because it's the way she the way she gets into that position she like dives through a glass pillar lands on her the square of her back does the kip up and like knee drops a dude from the kip up Ooh. all in one fluid motion it's awesome. spectacular um one of my other favorite gags is when she's like hanging from uh, it's like a guardrail Uh, that has, like, a glass pane beneath the handrail part. Mm -hmm. And she has her legs wrapped up around it, like, behind her kneecaps. And she swings backwards and puts her own torso through the glass to grab, like, underneath a couple of guys' ankles, Mm. yanks their legs out from under them and flings them off the balcony. Nice. And it's done, it's shot in such a way where it's like, yes, that was Michelle Yeoh putting her own head through that candy glass. Nice. It's like they, they frame that specifically to point out that it's like, yeah, she she did that whole gag herself. That's well, pretty incredible.
1: I read on IMDb that she trained to do her own stunts. I think it's starting with this movie. She might have done it in the movie before, but I think it was with this one where she started doing her own stunts.
0: Yeah, I, I would believe it. Um, this, this movie was most certainly a vehicle for her. Um, and I want to say it was successful because she went on to have a spectacular career, not just as a martial artist, but as an actress as well. And for fuck's sake, she, she got the goods, man. Mm-hmm. Like she, she really has the moves, um, mm-hmm. always an engaging performer. But, um, at some point, uh, we break off into pairs where it's uh, her going toe to toe with a, you, you call him Sergeant Slaughter. So I'm going to stick yeah. with that. Um, and she's teasing him because he he has a knife that he wants to slice her up with, but she's like, "Yeah, you're a dude. Like, you know that that seems like unfair, you know." Uh, so she's she's you know challenging his masculinity, being like, "Oh, you really need a knife to beat up a girl?" And then she starts beating his ass. It's pretty great. <laughs> so, um, and meanwhile, Cynthia Rothrock is going toe to toe with Dick Way, uh, who is a handful, um, but she keeps up with him. Uh, I I don't I don't recall like. <sighs> I don't recall like any really nasty bumps that she takes, but um there's a there's kind of like a, a blink and you'll miss it gag involving her jumping onto a chandelier. It's oh, like that, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> like like somebody could have died there and, and it's it's like it's so brief in the film that's like one of those things where it's like if you're editing this thing, maybe hold on that for a second, but then again the next frame of it may have been that person falling and dying. So, so who knows?
1: Was it Rothrock or Yo that did it?
0: It was Rothrock. It oh. hurt double.
1: Okay, I was gonna say because I'm just I'm picturing uh, Michelle Yeoh on the set of Crouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She's like, "So, we're gonna use wires for this. I'm not gonna be walking to the end of the bamboo. Like, no, 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 no. You're, you're gonna be on wires this time. Like, okay, because back in the '80s, we were just <laughs> we were really walking on the bamboo.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure that is a perspective that people like. Look- like actually have where it's like you know in my day, <laughs> it's there's like a few, there's
1: a few sofa cushions uh, just beneath you. Like aim for them.
0: No, I've actually seen the way they do some of these gags, and it literally is that. But not only is it that, it's people. It's like, it's like stage hands sliding those pads in only there, like sliding them in only when they're needed. Better be so when on you spot do the with th- that pad, <laughs> yeah. So it's like. You just, I ha- I know both of your faces. When I wake up from my concussion, I know who to f- I know who to fucking find. <laughs> if, you, if you miss, I will rock bottom your ass, <laughs> <laughs> and there will not be a mattress pad involved. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a different era. Um, this is this is something that's like I don't think I don't think we'll ever find our way back to it. But I'm, there is a lot of nostalgia that comes with the way things were done back then i it it it, much like professional wrestling it was not better um but the end product has a charm to it that is unique um that is just from a bygone era at this point but yeah that chandelier gag was incredible as was the again they they uh actually play with the the female male dynamic during the fight choreography it's it's fun teasing kind of stuff because like he uh dickway kicks cynthia rothrock in, like in inside the leg and she like goes down on the ground's like oh that hurt and his immediate like just gut response is just like oh i'm sorry <laughs> and it's like yeah you know like dude dudes are dudes um but then she like you know takes advantage of that and she kicks him right back and she's like i, I you know i actually did mean that <laughs> like and i'm not sorry <laughs> It's it's great. It's a it's a fun little bit where they're having they're being cheeky about it, um, and it's it's aided by the fact that you know like her her character what little there is uh, has been very uh, brash. Um, just like very straight and to the point. In fact, uh, the guy that she was beating up in interrogations had a really nasty line where he's like, you're so, you're so blunt and mean, nobody will marry you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, do you think I give a shit? Do <laughs> like, you think I give a shit what you think of me? Person whose ass I've beat twice inside of five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the fight carries on. Uh, the Mad Dog, of course, uh, Sergeant Slaughter—that is—he uh, does end up pulling the knife. And some of the bits where he's swinging this knife are pretty incredible. They—they uh, they do some really neat moments where it's like he—he he never gives her the advantage. Like he, he misses all the time because it's a knife. He can't just slice into her all the time. But but it's like it's on her constantly. He's, like, laser-focused on getting that into her. And uh, the fight transitions from the top floor to the bottom floor. And she, like, breaks a leg off of a piano and starts beating his ass with it. And the way this guy meets his end is he falls through this, like, glass fountain that's set up, like, a a Tetris block. And we get almost like a slasher movie moment where he falls through the thing. We get to see the gag with the camera pulled all the way back. So you get to see, yeah, he actually fell through that and stuff. But then we get, like, a close-up of his face in the water with like glass stabbing into all corners of his face <laughs> it's, it's tasty um which leaves dick way and uh at this point rothrock is actually kind of having trouble with him and michelle yo does a spectacular drop kick once again on a staircase this staircase in this mansion by the way has had at least five people fall down it again i think core has a has a fetish for watching people fall downstairs. like he he just loves throwing his people downstairs but yeah michelle yo does like a missile drop kick on a staircase it's like yeah and that's what i do too you know that's my first thought in a fight is just jump and fall down the stairs willfully (laughs) Um, but yeah the two of them managed to like handle dick way just enough but um the microfilm once again enters into the picture Uh, Dick Way gets his hands on it and destroys it by smashing it into a light bulb in the ceiling which is very high off the ground Mm -hmm. so that man's got quite the vertical leap Uh, meanwhile the short guy the short dipshit comes out from the back room he's being held hostage at knife point by uh the bad guy with the big laugh Mm. um and basically a whole bunch of shenanigans happen uh little dipshit Finds The real gun he pulls it off of the guy with the bad hair and he shoots dick way to death uh, which ends which ends basically the action component of the film and uh, Before the gun can be trained on the big bad and uh, we can get full vengeance though all of the cops show up mm-hmm. Where were you guys this whole time? <laughs> Especially since our two ladies are supposed to be part of the same organization um, and they just arrest everybody and start escorting them outside. And, uh, Kyle, do you want to walk us through the uh, final sequence that we've been teasing since basically the beginning of this conversation?
1: Yeah, so what happens is, because is the guy burnt the uh, microfilm, uh, the bad guy is laughing just constantly. He's like, oh, you've got nothing on me. There's nothing you can do about it. And, sp- like like, the... The, the inspector's boss comes in and is like scolding him like you were under arrest because you came in here and started beating ass and you know killing people you're not allowed to do that um, but then he decides he's like I don't know something's fishy here so he's like I'm going to take everybody and we're going to take everybody downtown and basically the, the bad guy is just saying like there's nothing you can do like the evidence is gone that you're not going to be able to prove anything so uh, short dipshit grabs a gun and shoots him in the back and then uh, glasses dip. It's like, shoot him again. Shoot him again. <laughs> and he just like dumps a clip into this dude and then it just ends on him shooting the guy. And that's how the yeah, film snap,
0: up. Yeah, snap to credits. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Free, freeze frame. Snap to credits. No,
1: it doesn't go quite to credits. It goes to um, action scenes of Michelle Yeoh in the film, but doesn't give her like an on screen title. It's like, star. you would think it'd be like starring Michelle Yeoh. Like you'd go back to your people. It's just, it's just a. Clips of her in action scenes, and then the movie ends.
0: Yeah, it's her highlight reel yeah. with, with with the cast to soon to follow. But yeah, it just ends on a freeze frame of the short dipshit and a muzzle flash mm-hmm. shooting towards the camera. And It's like that makes you a moiter, <laughs> like it in,
1: reminded, in this case twice. It reminded me of in Dumb and Dumber when he's having that dream. And he starts shooting Mary Swanson's husband. He's just like, "Die, die!" <laughs> <He's just laughs> shooting him. That's what this ends on. Is that basically?
0: No, that's one of my favorite bits from that movie. Actually, um, I I don't know how familiar you are with like the works of Red Letter Media, hmm. but um, there was one movie they reviewed that I think it, I think it was a Filipino production, or at least it was filmed in the Philippines. But um, it was like a typical white guy vengeance movie where it's like, all right, you wronged me or you killed my wife or something now I gotta kill all of yous. Um, and it famously ends with this scene where this guy has like a retractable mini rocket launcher in his sleeve. Oh jeez that he yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and he shoots a rocket and we get to see a human body explode. So nice. the rocket hits hits the the prop body, it explodes and then we freeze frame on the explosion. Oh cool. And this rock and disco beat starts playing. And then a a title card starts, starts rolling scrolling up, up the screen. <laughs> yeah, starts scrolling up while this like enthusiastic disco beat is playing, and it says like, "Our protagonist was immediately arrested and and placed in prison for life." <laughs> um, I I think it was like maybe maybe a Filipino thing where it's like we can't have vigilante justice like this in our film. Like we need to show that it's like he he got some sort of comeuppance. So it's like. We we only had the footage to work with that we had, and that ending was too fucking good to pass up. But we need to remind the audience that uh, Filipino government's not cool with you doing that. Don't 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 be shooting rockets, people. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta go to prison for that. <laughs> At least I think that's how how it went down. But that that was that was what this reminded me of because it's just like. I thought the little guy was kind of cool like he was actually kind of funny and charming throughout the movie and then oh my god he is a bloodthirsty fucking murderer at the end Uh, but they did make sure to have the bad guy do his signature laugh like 20 times in the in the moments leading up to his death just to remind us the audience that we're not supposed to like him. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that that's cool to, to shoot a dude in front of a bunch of cops, <laughs> especially think. while your buddy is aching you on to shoot him
1: more. <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to go to jail, like, dude.
0: Yeah. Pretty sure that's going to find its way into court too. It's like, so, uh, your buddy was telling you to
1: shoot him more. You <laughs> we weren't supposed to do that.
0: Yeah. Maybe keep your mouth shut, but but yeah, that was Yes, Madam from 1985, directed by Corey U.N., and of course, headlined by Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock. Um, not sure what we're going to be reviewing next week, but uh, most assuredly it will be another Ladies' Night uh, entry, mm-hmm. so expect another action film headlined by a woman. Um, but in the meantime, if you would like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that located on our website at catchinguponcinema.com as well as our uh, social media accounts in the form of Instagram, at CatchingUpOnCinema, as well as a Twitter, at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, And the podcast is available on pretty much any platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. Uh, So fucking Google it. Google it. Uh, But that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.
1: Yeah. Yes, it's ladies' now. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night. Oh, what a, oh, what a night. Oh, yes, it's ladies' night. And the feeling's right.